Greetings. Welcome to the Aus in the Kitchen podcast. So today's talk was recorded at my Kobola Mysore intensive a couple of weeks ago. So one thing of note, my new video course, Yoga Sutras for Ashtanga students, is now available on my website. So if you like the talk today, then you'll enjoy the 22 talks that are part of that course. So when we're working with any text, any philosophy, always having like two mindsets that we're holding at the same time. And the first mindset is to really train yourself to. And that is you're applying whatever philosophical teaching, whatever theme, directly to the smallest things that you do on your mat. Okay, so it's very easy to, to generalize it and to think of it as its main context is the, your, your life, like what's happening out there. And even the way it's presented sort of steers you that way. There's almost nothing telling you that this thing has to do with how you're stamping your foot in Samastitihi or how you're reaching your arms up. Okay, so you've got to really go out of your way to, to connect those. And it's almost selfish because it doesn't matter how it applies out there in this context. It matters that it, what is happening on that mat? How do I work with this theme to improve my posture, my breathing? Okay, and so in this way, it's a very practical philosophy. It, it has to be explicitly useful to you in your practice. Okay, and then the other is the broader application that, of course, it's not about how you use your legs in triangle. It's about how you operate in the world, how you perceive, how you respond, what you put your energy into, what you consider valuable, and your integrity, your character as you move through your days, and your your dreams and aspirations, and doing your very best to, to f realize those, to decipher what they are, and then empower yourself to bring them to life. Okay, so these, the Sutra 120 is what I call like five jars. Like when you're in the kitchen cooking. These are the basic things. And you keep using them, and they keep going down the jars. But you got to keep filling them back up. So you have a good store of them. You need them. Okay, and so they're Shraddha, faith. Virya is like uh, energy, enthusiasm, uh, vitality. Smriti is remembrance or memory. Samadhi is focus, absorption. And pragna is a deep, intuitive knowledge. Pra-nya. Pra is higher. Knowledge. And nya is knowledge. So it's, in, it's knowledge or insight that comes, it wells up from within you. So it's not coming from an outer source, not from a book, a video, somebody telling you. It's coming right from your own experience. That's pragna. 
so then your job then is to figure out how do these things relate to me in my practice, toiling. What is shraddha? What does it actually mean? Of course, there's a greater faith, but right on the mat, energy, vidya, memory, absorption, and this insight. Okay, so the thing is, to me, they're all related to this idea of action and effort. And I'll read you this excerpt from this um, text. And the theme of this is about, it's called karma and creativity. So karma means action. And they're kind of juxtaposing these two things, which is, they're call, they're, ones they're calling creativity or effort, work. It's like what you do to make whatever happen that you want to happen. And then there's, they're calling this other part fate. To me, I have to kind of get used to the word fate. Because like fate, it has the feeling of like that it's predestined, right? And that there's nothing you can really do about it. It just, it, it just happens to you, right? And because we go through our lives and there's so many things that we can't control, right? So many things happening you have no control over. And there's a positive sense to that where you, you let go. It's not your ego and your willpower that's going to get everything. You can never get everything you want, right? That's not how it works. So there's a positive aspect. But then there's a shadow aspect of fate, which is that since, like, the, a lot of times we can feel pushed around by life. Like, it doesn't matter what we do. Something always seems to go wrong or can't overcome limits and things. So you get this kind of uh, almost giving up quality. Okay, and this is what this is talking about. And it's also really championing your effort. Okay, and so, so it says, and it gets like really practical on the situation. It says the one who eats becomes full and not the one who does not eat. Right? And the, and the one who, who goes somewhere travels, not the one who does not move. <laughs> and the speaker is heard, not the one who keeps silent. And this is seen strong creativity and results. Okay, and then so, so then it's saying, and they're using creativity. So, right, you can substitute striving, effort, desiring, work, action. So it says, through creativity, those with good intellects cross over danger and difficulty. For others, this is not so, due to lack of effort and ineffectiveness. And so whoever exerts oneself obtains the desired result. But for the one who stands quietly, indeed, what result is obtained? And then the one who acts with a pure purpose meets with pure result. And through the impure, impurity is obtained. And then this is a conversation between Vashishta and Rama. And so the, his, Vashishta is a 
great teacher, sage. And so he says, thus, Rama, do as you desire. So it's very strong teaching, very strong words. Okay, and these five things, to me, they're related. They're helping you examine your effort. And they're helping you get to a place where you feel that the best course is for you to take action, to make happen what you want to happen in your life or in your practice. And I'm emphasizing it because we all we come up short on that. We don't believe in ourselves. We don't trust in our actions enough to really get to this. In fact, you can say that's what you're, that's what you're doing on that mat every day. It's slowly but slowly, you're learning to trust your ability to move and make the things happen that you want to happen. To me, it takes a lot of contemplation and puzzling through. And it's easy to swing to opposites. Finding the middle is harder. Okay, so we're going to take this doubt, uh, faith, shraddha, and look at it for a minute. And it's opposite. So, one of the, so faith is one of the five jars you're trying to fill up, and doubt is one of the nine obstacles. So to a certain degree, then they're, they're opposites to each other. And I'm entering into this slowly, hesitatingly, because I want you to think about it carefully. Faith is not a very popular word, really, for many of us. And you can see it in some of the definitions. It's like believing. So it implies this kind of, I'm supposed to just believe something. I don't know. It challenges me. But there it is. It's one of these five. And it also, faith is immediately tied to a kind of religious feeling. Like faith in God. As though it's irrational, but still asked to believe in it. Okay, but I encourage you not to see it that way. Okay, and, and just a small twist can change it, changes it for me. Like, for instance, I change it from faith to faithful. Ah, now if it's faithful, wow, that's a whole different quality. Okay, because some other words for faith are loyal. Loyal. Um, and instead of trust, trusting. Trusting. And instead of belief or believe, there's a believing. So there's a small difference, but very important to me. So that, because, so faith or trust, it feels very passive. But faithful all of a sudden, it becomes something I do. Loyal. Like, so that faith is, you can say that it's to be loyal to something. Something, it's a very active thing. And it has also these words to it. Reverence. It's to rever 
something, to really care about it. And it goes even further than that. It, it has, faith is longing for, desiring. So longing for ardently. So in that way, it's not that you have to believe in it. Even if, say, this idea of self, that there, there's an eternal you, this essence, it's not of the body, not of the anything material, and that this is all just a magic show, and that the whole universe is interconnected. It's all unified by this sacred source that's eternal. That, but you can never actually rationally prove that. So you, you don't have to believe in that. But what you do have to do is something about that has to appeal to you. Something inside you have to go, or, like, or even, I, I wish life were like that. I wish my life were like that. And life itself. Like, so there's this longing for a sacred dimension. Okay, and then if you take it right down to your mat. Oh, wait. Hold on there. Before we take it there, let's look at doubt compared to these things. So it's skeptic, doubtful. You can say that it's um, faithless. So there's an absence of longing. And there's, a, there's other parts about doubt, but I'm going to get to those in a minute. So, and what, what, what are the circumstances that bring you around to doubt? To like, skepticism. To not wanting to be loyal to this, whatever it is, this invisible aspect of your life. So many things can do it. There's a calamity or different hardships. Right, it's easy to have faith when things are going your way. But when real challenges come and you don't see evidence that there's unity in the universe, that there's karma and justice, then you're, you've, you're, that jaded part comes out. So you, and, and also when you get afraid, threatened, then you start caring only for yourself. Instead of seeing that everything is, you, you're, everyone is part of everything. Okay, so let's go to the, the math, though. And this is what I'm saying. This is a challenging thing to, to do, to, to work with the very, like, to realize that you're trying to build faith in, right there. And it has three aspects. Okay, and one is very simple that, that had to do with the text that I just wrote. If you don't, the one that eats gets full. Okay, and it's like you have to have faith that you can eat. <laughs> and faith that you can do Surya Namaskara A. That you can learn how to do a forward bend without gacking yourself up. And practice is hard. Okay, so because almost immediately you'll let yourself down in all kinds of ways, with inconsistency, lack of motivation, with um, improper striving. You'll get hurt, and then 
get mad about being hurt, try to ignore that pain, you'll want to quit, you'll quit, you'll, so many things. And then it's, very, it's also right there. So let's look at it. This is a beautiful way of thinking of faith. It's called confidence, certainty. And the lack of faith, doubt, sanshaya, is lacking confidence. It's hesitation. It's uncertainty. See, and then when you get this, then you get right to the skill in action. To remember, the vinyasa, the definition, is any strategic movement that leads to dynamic stillness. Okay, and every vinyasa is a crouch. And that is very particular, the language. Like an animal, hunting. Build energy. You, you get ready for intense action, a burst. This is every time you move. Whether you're going to jump through, reach your arms up, put your legs behind your head, go up into Shirshasana, take Padmasana, there's a crouch. And then there's a follow-through, a commitment of pure action, pure. No, that has no doubt. That's part of what makes it a vinyasa or a uh, gesture. So that, that it's called a mudra. So a vinyasa... Every vinyasa, every transition is a mudra. So mudra doesn't only mean seal. It means gesture. And what is a gesture? A gesture is a movement that's intended to convey a specific idea. It means it's, a mo it's, it's lacking doubt, lacking uncertainty. It is certain. It is confident. Whatever it is, you've made a preparation and then you put it in play. Come what may. And then there's a, so that's the spring. If you see the tiger, they can't, the, once the spring has happened, it can't go, wait, no, the, the antelope is over there. I didn't do it right. Ah, no, it, it goes. And that is that. And then the result comes. You, you arrive somewhere definite. And then, that, then you assess, where was the skill in action? Okay, so, in every instance, you're actually working with your faith. You're working to turn uncertainty into certainty. And, and so you understand that risk is involved. And, and this is such a, what a strange thing about what I was saying about dichotomizing the thing. Because if you dichotomize it, you make faith the, the hero, the pinnacle, the only thing. Right? That's where you can get to blind faith. And because you just, doubt is bad, wrong. Can't doubt. And we, we, people live like that. We live like that, right? That you can't admit of any doubt, any uncertainty. It has to be like this. Okay, but really, there's a, there's a constant fluidity between doubt and faith. Between uncertainty and certainty. And you, in fact... You are, in your practice, you're deliberately putting yourself in a predicament that contains uncertainty on purpose in order to work with it. Okay, and so sanshaya, doubt, it, it means risk. Risk. And so we're not trying, well, it's impossible to eliminate risk. 
It's impossible. Even if you want to, life does not let you. That's part of what the deal is. This is constantly changing. So there's nothing certain about it. And so, so embracing risk is essential. So it's interesting where that, to me, this quote that I read to you, it, it almost goes to like this weird, uh, you know, like that est training, Scientology, the secret. Like, and the, the uh, sacred text, it can, it can do that. It can put the thing in such a, a kind of pure language, such an extreme language that you, you miss the, you can miss the nuance. Like when it says, whoever exerts oneself obtains the desired result. What? No. That does not, I mean, have you found that to be the experience? Every time you exert yourself, you achieve the desired result? No, it, it doesn't work like that in my world. So it doesn't mean that that statement doesn't have value. To me, that's like, okay, I take that statement and I'm like, that's an ideal. And that's like the results of a perfection of action. But meanwhile, there's the murky world that I'm existing in, the mistake-riddled, flawed, weak, stiff effort that I'm here making, doing my best to get to that. So in that sense, that since doubt is, is simply risk, well, then doubt is darn good. You got to, it's your friend. But, but you want to be clear about these things. Let the doubt become visible. See it. I am doubting. Every time I try to take my leg to the side, I wobble, I hesitate. I, <sighs> every time I go up to headstand, I can't get to the vertical. I don't know why. I'm scared, but I don't even feel scared. But Masako, every time my legs go beyond, I don't even feel it, but my teacher tells me. <laughs> okay, and so then, then, you see, and this is the, what I was saying, the little twist, is that, for one, there's a longing for, you long for this certainty. At least it's a wish that you have. And this is the, that's the big difference between, like, skepticism, doubt, and faith. Is that it's slanted towards, I'm inclined to, to believe. And it's also, it's not just risk in terms of risk or no risk. Okay, so that, the idea of risk and no risk is exactly what re leads to kind of catastrophic failures that then lead you not to risk. Okay, and this is the steps. Okay, this is why you have those darn props. And you're using the wall. It's because we're trying, our, we have to risk, yes, but we're trying to be as intelligent about it as possible. Okay, because you are looking for skill in action. And skill in action, this means that, so every action has its result. And unskillful action blossoms into further action. Okay, and you know it. If you... If you really go for it, 
risk and you mess up your knee or something, then you've got so many actions that you've got to correct that. Okay, and so, so you're trying to find this edge that part of the crouch that sets up the spring is really taking in the variables of what you're attempting to do and then finding the safest risk, the most intelligent. Okay, so it's a, it's a game of risk. How much risk? And knowing that too much risk is dangerous and too little risk is dangerous. Because suppose you never really take a chance. Well, then that's exactly what this is saying. The one that silent, the, no one ever hears. So it's the, you have to take a chance. There's no avoiding that. And so in your practice, what I'm trying to emphasize to you is that when you move with hesitation, irresolution, uncertainty, this is not the way to get, this. it's not the speedy way. So, and it's, so repetition, see we can get, because, see and this is what's so interesting about Ashtanga, it's so full on, right? Just try it for one year, six days a week with the full dedication, all those postures, all those jump backs, the average person will think you're insane. <laughs> they won't go for it. So it's easy to get lost in the bulk. It's like repetition. There's so much repetition, we just forget all about it. Or not all about it, but about the fact that you're supposed to learn from repetition. That repetition is to single out that particular try. It's not just like, because you repeat a whole bunch of times, a lot, a lot of times, then that does the trick. It, and no, you can see that that doesn't do the trick, actually. That if you repeat hesitation in a transition, you'll keep repeating that. And once in a while, it, the kinks get ironed out. Okay, once in a while, it works like that. By trying the halting version, it slowly comes around, and you get more certain. Okay, yes, but a lot of times that just ends up in a rut where that's how you go up or that's how you do that. Okay, and so this is where I'm asking you to break it into smaller pieces and to go by this idea that you repeat what you want to reinforce and you repeat what you can do with certainty. So when you can execute that crouch and spring, with one breath, one move, that's certainty. And like you said, if, and if you've tried it 200 times and you've still got that same hesitation and uncertainty, that's a sign. What's a step? Or not even um, uncertainty, too, that there's the unskillful arrival that's hard on the joints, that's misaligned in the skeleton. Yeah, you have to be aware and work for skill in action. I just find it such a strange, like you understand why they don't try to describe it in the sacred texts. Like it's just so, like what if you were to, like to talk about how positive doubt is? 
but it's amazing. Like, because it's, I mean, it's obviously what is not positive. It's uncertainty, hesitation, lacking confidence. Right, but then, then they come up with risk of, or in, or to. It's like, that is so positive. I want that. Me, I long for risk. So I guess I long for doubt. <laughs> Meaning, I long for the predicament of uncertainty that then I have to test my mettle to see what I can do with that. See, it's very common to shrink from that because the hard knocks. Even when you, you try to risk as safely as possible, as intelligently as possible, the knocks come. Especially, no, especially all the time. <laughs> I mean, you'd like to think that you actually get more skilled and make less mistakes. I don't want to jinx that, so, I'm, so I don't know. I do feel like that. That, that more skill in action has been coming over the years. Especially, and, and you can take it in the greater life, but in the asana practice. It used to, my efforts used to result in pain much more often than they do now. And to me, that's a good sign. And my efforts more often result in, in a feeling of satisfaction. And so then there's a reason for faith. Feel that. So there's the, the faith in yourself. Okay, and this is the biggest thing. In your efforts to build the practice that you want, to protect yourself, to evolve through the layers of ignorance and suffering, and get to peace and contentment and fulfillment. Okay, but then there's, uh, then there's faith in the, the teacher. The system, that's also part of it. And you go through the same cycle of doubt, faith, lacking confidence, hesitation, uncertainty about your guide or guides. Where are you getting your information? What is your method of going about this? What's the method of the discipline that you're adopting? And you have to build this loyalty this uh, having confidence. And one word for faith, I love this. It just shows up out of the blue. Curiosity. Just, I absolutely love that. When you're curious, really curious about that asana, that teaching, it's an expression of dedication, reverence. Then there is the teaching so there's you, the teacher, or whatever guide, and the teaching. And that's a part of swadhyaya. You're, you're trying to discover what the teachings are. What do the texts say? So that you can build faith. Or become faithful. Loyal to. Start longing for self. To be Realize your nature as seer. To see the transcendent self that's 
different than, other than the, the body, the personality, the thoughts, the history. Okay, and those things, they, they play out in your, on your mat. So partly that the faith in the teacher aspect or the loyalty to is to try the things really diligently, specifically what the suggestion is. And not blindly, necessarily, but with real curiosity. What, does, what is this? It wants me to do a wide stance, but I don't like that wide stance. Well, what is it? What's it, what's it about? What are these things that he's doing? The shoulder stand prop. The, I can go up into headstand. Why do I need to do this thigh to the chest thing? And then also the, that greater teaching comes right there. That's the amazing thing. Is the, that's what it's all doing. That's what these physical things are. These concentration techniques, these mudras and bandhas. It's supposed to arrest your mind and give you that experience of this other dimension. So then you, you have something to be loyal to, to long for. You've experienced it. Like the Mira poem that I read earlier. The longing, and then the, the union. Hopefully that's what your practice leads to in little glimpses, is knowing there's a sacred dimension right there, because you're experiencing it. So no one can tell you that this or that about it, because it's right here, right in your own body, in this moment. And so those other jars, we've been indirectly talking about those right within this one. The, The vitality, the energy you bring to your practice is partly communicated by your faith, by your certainty, by your confidence. When you're confident, you have energy. That's part of what you have. And the opposite. When you don't have energy, you're hesitating, you're doubtful. And remembrance is partly, it's, for one, it's remembering so many things. So the ones in the teacher training are going to be working with smriti very deeply. Because you're going to memorize the actions for every asana in the primary series. And And that's what you want. You want to be able to call the teachings to mind when you want them. So the undisciplined person, exactly when you need the teachings, they're gone. You've forgotten them. Samadhi, absorption. You can say this idea of curiosity and loyalty and reverence longing for. All of these are part of samadhi. These are the things that get you engaged. Get you fully absorbed, fully invested, dedicated to whatever it is you're doing. And prajna is also so the whole idea of confidence, certainty, trusting. It's both the source of this higher knowing. So the source of it is to trust, to be confident. 
And that's what I love this, this text. Because it's just reminding you that you have the power to do it. Whoever exerts himself gets what they desire. So there's a certain confidence in yourself that you can manifest. Okay, but it's also the result. So when, when you get to an intuitive place within yourself, when you get to a deep facility with the, the, the techniques, and you can really apply them, then confidence comes. Certainty comes. So thank you for listening. Remember, my 22-talk video course, Yoga Sutras for Ashtanga Students, is now available on my website.